I'm Pastor Joseph Clark. Welcome to JC and Me, a four-minute devotion. So, when we consider in modern times the splendor of the many gifts that God has given man and woman, the gift of marriage is one of the most misinterpreted and mismanaged. Now, what I'm about to say is not going to be popular with many institutional denominational churches. God loves us so much that he gives us this precious and sacred gift, and he gives us the free will to make of it what we will. Marriage is a lifelong union which is recognized as such by God, by the man and woman, aka the marrying parties, and by the community that they live in and their fellowship. A distant backseat to that is that the government recognizes the man and woman as married for the purposes of common law, taxes, family benefits, and support. A government marriage certificate does not constitute marriage in the eyes of the Lord, nor does a governing institutional church body certificate constitute marriage in the eyes of the Lord. They are of man and are not spiritual. What constitutes marriage in the eyes of the Lord is the covenant between the husband, the wife, and their loving God. Civil law recognizes that for a marriage to be legal, the marriage ceremony must contain Number one, witnessed vows by both the man and the woman that they enter the marriage of their own free will. Number two, the declaration of marriage by the minister. And number three, the signing and filing of the marriage certificate. Or civil common law recognizes any man and woman living together for a period of three years without a child or one year with a child, which they've conceived and birthed together, a common law marriage. This civil law may vary from region to region and country to country, and I am not a lawyer. This is not legal advice. But God recognizes a marriage as being a lifelong union between two people and himself in which both parties enter it with sincere heart, and God knows their hearts. The vows are a verbal contract and promise which express this lifelong commitment. The declaration by the minister is a governance matter in which the minister announces to the witnesses that the people have taken these vows and have in fact made their covenant with one another and God. The lifelong union between man and woman is not a matter of institutional church governance or civil governance. This is a godly matter. If a man and woman are marooned on an island and there is no minister in sight, and they are believers who sincerely make a covenant of marriage between themselves and God as man and wife, then they are married. There is no institutional church ceremony, there is no officiant, there is no signing and filing of a certificate. They have made their covenant before one another and before God as the church, the body, and they are to honor that covenant. There was no minister, justice of the peace, or marriage certificate in the Garden of Eden between Adam and Eve. A covenant is a binding promise, a contract, a mutual understanding with common purpose, common goal, and it is witnessed and spiritually signed and stamped by God. A sacrament is a ceremony imparting God's divine grace upon a party or parties. Is marriage a sacrament? Yes. The marriage ceremony is a sacrament, and that sacrament commences the lifelong covenant. Does City Hall impart divine grace? No. Does a church impart divine grace? No. Only God imparts divine grace. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it is written, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And in Genesis chapter 2, verses 23 to 25, beautifully it is written, The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. 
That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. How beautiful, how romantic, what a gift and a blessing. Marriage is to be God-centered. It is to be cherished as secret, and it is to be protected. The enemy would love to come between every God-centered marriage. If you feed the marriage God's will in words, the marriage will have an appetite for God's will in words. If you feed the marriage worldly fruits and desires, the marriage will have an appetite for worldly fruits and desires, and you will destroy it. A God-centered marriage is anointed by God. Not only is it to be treated as holy by the married couple, but it is to be respected and vigilantly protected by all third parties as well. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, it is written, Let the marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. There are many worldly minds that speak out against scripture on the basis that they argue that it is not equality. The reality is that the areas that seem unequal for the woman are made equal by the man, and the areas which are unequal for the man are made equal by the woman. And even then, they both will fall short of the marriage covenant due to their sinful nature. Both the man and woman combined are unequal to the portion of the marriage that God brings. The marriage is made equal and complete by the grace of God. A married couple are one flesh, who now, without abandoning their individuality, glorify the Lord as one unified team of worship in truth and faith. Jesus says in Mark chapter 10, verses 8 to 12, And the two shall become one flesh, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And in Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 16, beautifully, my beloved is mine, and I am his. And in Psalm 85, verse 10, the Holy Spirit tells us in his words, steadfast love and faithfulness meet, righteousness and peace kiss each other. In 1 Corinthians, chapter 11, verse 12, Paul wrote, nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of a man, nor man of woman. For as woman was made from man, so man is now born of woman, and all things are from God. In Luke chapter 16, verse 18, the Holy Spirit tells us in the word, Everyone who divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery, and he who marries a woman divorced from her, her husband commits adultery. And in Matthew chapter 5, during his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus preaches, You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. There is no place in a marriage for a wandering eye, regaling friends about past partners or encounters. CBS News recently published a story that in the Journal of Cyber Psychology, that Facebook connections between married men and women and old partners is one of the primary causes of infidelity, psychological distress, and divorce. And ScienceDog.org published an article which revealed research that divorce rates double in married couples who watch pornography. A prisoner does not run back into his cell and shut the door from time to time. Likewise, married couples must avoid any past worldliness and faithfully look forward with their sights set on the next great journey, which is from Christ's kingdom on earth to Christ's kingdom in heaven. God gave us romance as a gift. 
Married couples are to be faithful, celebrate and honor each other in the same way that they are faithful, celebrate and glorify the Lord. As believers, we avoid holding on to and revisiting past rebellions and sinfulness. In the same way, as married couples, we must avoid holding on to and revisiting past worldliness and protect the marriage from the enemy and a sinful world which threatens the marriage at every turn. As those saved in Christ, we are new creations on the world, but not of the world. We are of His kingdom. Likewise, the marriage is of Christ's kingdom, not of the world. And that includes the beautiful passions and physical intimate celebration of one another, which God gives to man and wife. Protect the marriage, never forgetting that man, wife, and God make the marriage, and all three parties are the cord of three strands that strengthen it. As it is written in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9-12, to 12, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Please pray for me as I will for you. Heavenly and merciful Father in heaven, we pray for the sanctity of all God-centered marriages and we faithfully and hopefully wait for the day when all knees kneel before Jesus. Thank you for the beautiful gift of marriage, which we shall not squander, but shall protect and cherish and celebrate and really work at. I pray in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. I'm Pastor Joseph Clark, and thank you for joining me for this short devotion on JC and Me.